Hey everyone, it's Kyle Langan, founder of HamptonsToHollywood.com, and after a little hiatus, the podcast is back. Of course, I'm super excited to share a lot more stories from the Hamptons and Hollywood about people and issues that are relevant, fun, and make you think. This week, I sat down with my good friend Alyssa, who is a recovering alcoholic. We talked about her powerful story and battle with alcoholism. She bravely opened up about how she entered Alcoholics Anonymous, a few of the major tools she's taken from the program, and how everyone fundamentally is the same, whether they're in AA or not. We even talked about my own experience in AA. It's no secret that Hamptons to Hollywood glamorizes alcohol consumption. I mean, we even had a champagne brunch pop-up at Bagatelle, Los Angeles a few years back, if you had forgotten. So it was really interesting and important to see the flip side of how addiction can be debilitating. I think you'll learn a lot from our conversation today. I know I certainly did. So here we go. Alyssa. Hi. Thank you so much for being on the Hamptons to Hollywood podcast. Thanks for having me. So this is a really exciting and really interesting subject today that we're going to be talking about. I just want to start off by saying that... um, and thank you for being so, like, willing and vulnerable and, you know, able to talk about this. Because I know it can be, like, really tricky. So, we're going to talk today about alcoholism mm-hmm. and being an AA. Yes. So, let me, well, let me just ask you this. Like, how long would you say that you've been an alcoholic? I think I was born an alcoholic. I think I was born with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are not sure if it's a disease or not, but our, the book that we read does tell us that it is a disease, and I've came to believe that there's really no other plausible explanation for why I acted the way I acted when I drank. Yeah. Or why I took a drink in the first place. What is the book? The book is the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and this is our, this is the, the guidelines that we live our life by. There's a lot of different parts to it, but it's basically the first 165 pages are explaining to us why we are alcoholics or if we are discovering if you are mm-hmm. and if you if you are then you do certain things in order to make your life manageable and live in a spiritual manner that's amazing would you tell me a story just really quickly about like a bad like what kind of the situation that brought you to to rehab or aa yeah i mean there's a couple so i don't know i mean I guess just start with the most recent the one. The most recent one? Okay. When I saw you. Yeah, so um, the one that brought me to Long Beach AA, right. actually, um, was a, a night where I was out drinking. And with me. With you <laughs> and with a bunch of people that drink, you know, were drinking like a lot less than me. Um, and something I do notice now is that when I see people drinking, I'm like, oh, my God, I would have had, like, five glasses of wine in the time span that you had two. Right. You know? And um, and that night I drove, which I put myself at a, risk. Can we just say that you were on a, a bad date? I was on a bad date. But there is I mean, no need to drive. Nothing, that's not, yeah. I know. It's not an excuse. But it was compounded on top of. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But life happens. And people go on bad dates all the time. And right. they don't get arrested for DUIs. Right. <laughs> So, (laughs) so yeah, so I, I drove and I was very, very drunk and I got arrested and I pulled over like out of the blue or did you go through a checkpoint? No, I, I hit a cone 
on Third Street, and I hit a cone, and um, it got stuck to my tire. And so, the, and there was a cop pulling someone else over on the side of the road, and they saw me, and they pulled me over, and I guess like asked if I was okay, and then they they immediately smelled the alcohol on me because I was, I you know reeked, and I got arrested, and it was terrifying, and they were not nice, and I always thought like they would be like nice because I never been arrested, and I don't know, I I didn't know you know, and I was very very scared. Um, and then I got in the jail cell, and I and really I wanted to just call someone like my mom or my dad, mm-hmm. and they the phone wouldn't work. So they were like, um, they're like, yeah, I don't want, I don't know why it's not working. It wasn't working because I was calling New Jersey. Oh, I can only call local, mm. which I didn't know that. Um, and so I just became like very, like I just couldn't sit there by myself. I was alone by myself yeah. for hours. You know, I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. And I told them I was going to kill myself. So I was like, I'm going to kill myself. So they would send me to a psych ward. Because I knew I would get, like, some Xanax there. And I would be able to go to sleep. And it would be comfy. Wow. Because I've been to a psych ward before. So I know what it's like. That's so, yeah. So I manipulated the them. System, yeah. Yeah. And ended up in the psych ward, but got 5150, which is the first time that's happened to me. Which means, basically, that someone put you in there. And because you are suicidal and you can't leave until a doctor releases you. So you have to be there for at least 72 hours, which is what they let me do because the doctor can tell that I was pretty sane. But um, I was in there and I was just like, I do not want this to happen to me. And I, I'm done with going to institutions. I'm done with going to rehabs. I'm done. I just want to get whatever's going to help. And I didn't know what that was at the time. Um and someone reached out to me that I knew from a family friend, told me about a rehab, and I went there. I took a medical leave off work, um, went there for three months, went back to work after two months, stayed in sober living for eight months, um, and that's what I've been doing. Wow. But, yeah. So, it was scary. You were kind enough to take me to an AA meeting last night. Yes. And it was very, it was my first AA meeting and yes. it was really um it was so like captivating and enthralling because you were hearing Well, I was just struck by a lot of things and which we'll get into, but I guess firstly, like describe to me cuz you were kind of saying that there's definitely a correlation between being a recovering al- alcoholic and religion or spirituality, I guess. I should spirituality. Say. Yeah. So, totally different than religion. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, okay. Anyone of any sect, denomination, religious group can join AA. You can, ha- you can have your religion and it's separate from your spirituality. Mm-hmm. Spirituality is completely, it's a, its own thing. You can only have spirituality and no religion if you want. Yeah. Which is basically what I'm, what I'm at. Spirituality, though, is basically just knowing that there is a higher power that has your best interest at heart, regardless of what is coming your way, and trusting that it does and that everything is going to turn out the way it's supposed to. So it's kind of like a safety net that kind of says, oh, like, you don't have to do this alone, basically. Yes, yeah, you don't. You never have to do anything alone. Because there's a higher power that, that you can always turn to. That yeah, is... and I think the difference between religion and spirituality is that spirituality is supposed to be always a loving, caring God mm-hmm. or higher power, whatever you want to call it, universe, um, 
whatever, the ocean, the wind, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and religion sometimes can be shameful or right. um, shaming. So I was, do you, I don't know if you know any of the statistics of like being in AA. So we went to our, our meeting in Long Beach, California. Yes. And everyone there was pretty much white. Yeah, in that meeting, yes. Is that common? It depends on where you go to meetings and what meetings you go to. Okay. The Long Beach meetings are actually there are it's generally white people um, that do come from like upper middle class families. I went to a lot of meetings in New Jersey where, like, I, I couldn't really relate to their backgrounds, right? Or you know where they came from, and it was harder for me to identify as an alcoholic, right? Because of that. Because I was separating myself. So it's better to kind of be around like mine or like... Sometimes. Like and then eventually, once you have a strong program, it's it's good to reach out to whoever needs help. But mm. that's really what it's all about. Yeah. It's not about separating. It's, it's about coming together. Right. But I think it's hard for people at first to identify as alcoholics if they're not homeless or if they come from a good, like a, a you know, wealthy family or if they um, are in college. Because like I, I'm... I fall under all those categories, you yeah. know, like I got my master's and I have a good job and those things sometimes don't, they're not correlate, yeah, correlate with, alcoholism. with alcoholism. Yeah. Especially in movies and social media and, you know, the old identification of, of alcoholic. Yeah. So it's, I think when I was able to realize that people that were similar to me in my, in my background, mm-hmm. um, felt the same way that I did and acted the same way that I did when they took a drink, it was easier for me to identify as an alcoholic. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. One of the things that I also thought was really interesting, and just because I don't know the vernacular, but like last night we there was at the meeting there was two guys who were celebrating like years of mm-hmm. being sober, and they still say that they're alcoholics, and yes. that is. Can you explain why that that is that because that it is a it could be a disease, <clears throat> and that's you're always afflicted with it no matter how many years sober you are. Yes. So if. If it was something that if you were an alcoholic and then you stopped drinking and you were no longer an alcoholic, then you wouldn't need the program to stay sober. Then you wouldn't need the steps. You wouldn't need the 12 steps. You wouldn't need a spiritual program. Right. You wouldn't need the fellowship. You wouldn't need the service work. Service, unity, and recovery are the three parts of the triangle of mm. AA. Service, um, unity, and recovery. Yeah. And you wouldn't need those three things if you were all, all of a sudden no longer an alcoholic. Right. So alcoholism is actually the way we think. It's our perception. We have a perception problem. Hmm. It's not just about drinking or using. Some people say they are recovered alcoholics, but recovering alcoholic right. is like if you wanted to be more specific. Most people identify as alcoholic their whole lives. Their whole life. Even if they have 25 years, 35 years, whatever, sober. This was a common theme from last night, but I, w- I was very impressed by the vulnerability of that was there. Yeah, that's just a big part of AA. Huge, like, people, like, just, not huge people, but people <laughs> just, like, hugely saying, like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, the woman last night, she was saying, like, oh, I just, like, wanted to throw my daughter through yeah. a window. And obviously, everyone feels like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But we have trouble, I think, owning, or owning it and just and expressing it and whatever describe your kind of i guess relationship with vulnerability people that are in alcoholics anonymous and go to meetings regularly and work a program tend to be way more vulnerable open to their emotions in general we i go to a meeting called no secrets so secrets keep us sick is something that we say so if we have something that we're holding inside and we're not sharing it with another human it tends to eat us eat us up you Mm -hmm. know 
And things like when you share about something that you're feeling, even if you feel ashamed about it, like I want to throw my daughter through a window, like that's something that you you wouldn't want to say out loud because you feel ashamed by saying that because right. you're not supposed to feel that way by society standards. And someone else comes up to you and says, I, I want to feel that way. I, or I feel that way too sometimes. Right. You no longer feel alone. And that's the whole point of being vulnerable in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's about being vulnerable and having another person come up to you and tell you that you're not alone. I felt that way too. And I got through it. And this is how I got through it. Yeah, I mean, the three, I think there were three points that really stuck with me, and they were vulnerability, judgment, and shame. Yeah. And I want to talk about them more in depth later, but I think just kind of, like, being vulnerable, and then also not having, like, judgment about Mm -hmm. what's being said. Yeah. And then also not feeling shame about it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Are you more vulnerable now than you were? Absolutely. And is that because, were you drinking to kind of numb? Absolutely. And do you think that's common? I think that's extremely common. Right. Yeah. So I think that's almost every, every alcoholic that I know was drinking to not feel the way they were feeling. So why, I guess, like just understanding, I guess, like why the psychology of that, like why, why? <laughs> yeah. Every single thing that I've heard in AA has, has resonated with me. Um, one thing is like one is too many, a thousand never enough to fill a hole. And that's something that's like another common, common uh, thing that we talk about. When I was young, I had a lot of anxiety and depression, and a lot of my a lot of my issues were fear based. Mm. I've learned that since being an Alcoholics Anonymous, a lot of people in there had similar experiences to me. Yeah, they had a lot of fear of unknown, and and they just couldn't be okay with the way things were at the moment. Yeah, and I think that is that's for me. That's specifically what what how I felt, and I, since I was always so worried about the future or reflecting on the past. I was never in the present. I wanted to drink because it slowed me down. It let me, allowed me to be in the present for a minute. Hmm. And then I just wanted more. And because I, I never felt as good as I was going to feel. Because you were anxious? Yeah, anxiety, um, depression, but mostly j- just fear. Like, yeah. fear is a big, I mean, fear is the basis of most anxiety and depression. And I think yeah, people totally. that don't even have alcoholism necessarily have a lot, like they have fear-based you know thoughts but for me it was debilitating my grandfather and my uncle are both alcoholics mm-hmm. so i do know that it, there is technically a genetic factor i don't know exactly what that is i know that, people, that there's still a lot of it's up in the air as a scientist like i really want to know the genetics behind it yeah but me trying to figure that out keeps me in my disease it keeps me an alcoholic because it separates me. I need to have faith. Right. And then it, the more faith I have, the less fear I have. That's why I don't think about it too much. Right. That's interesting. Sorry to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just interesting that the mechanism that you use to escape is something that... A substance. Yeah. And that keeps you away, like detached mm-hmm. almost until you do a complete 180 and end up in L.A. In LA. In AA, where you have to be so completely right. vulnerable. in it. Yeah. yeah. When you, so you have had a relapse, mm-hmm. which is common, I would think. Yeah. So can you, like, explain, if you would, the circumstances surrounding? Yeah. It's something I don't fully understand either. But, um, so I had about a year and a half sober, which is the longest that I've ever had sober. So great. It's hard because that's what I want to go to when I'm having a bad, a really tough week, you know? Um, When I'm feeling inside, like, lost and confused, like, I want to shut my brain off and I want to relax. Yeah, and that's, and I want relief. 
So what do you do now that you're sober in those situations? Ah, uh, well, there's I have a I have tools that I'm supposed to use, and that's what I'm that's what I try to use now. Um, Can you tell us what those are? Yeah, so some meditation is mm-hmm. a big one. Meditation is part of our twelve steps, one of the last steps. Uh, meditation, reading, reaching out to another alcoholic. That's the main part of un- of unity in the three parts of the triangle. Yeah. Um, it's reaching out to, to an alcoholic that has a lot of time or reaching out to an alcoholic that has less time than you, yeah. sober. and Oh, interesting. Yeah. And also, and people that, you know, that you're, you're sober, sober support group. Um, calling them, telling saying them. saying like, hey, like I'm Hey, I want to drink. Yeah. Hey, I, I, like just even that. Hey, I want to drink. And then it's like, okay, I, I've had my friends like stop and be like, all right, talk to me about it. Yeah. You know? And like, there's always someone that's going to be there for you. So why, when you did relapse, why was that not <clears throat> on, in the forefront? Why didn't I call them? Yeah. I know. I don't, I, I don't know the answer. I really like blacked out. Like I, I just, I, from when I decided that I was going to have a drink that night and until I, until the next morning when I woke up and was hungover, I don't remember my decision making process. I kind of didn't have one. Like, did you feel like so when you 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 committed to having a drink? Yeah, like in like seconds. Right, and yeah. so like you were like, okay, like you have you have the conviction to like go to the bar, and yeah. like get a glass of wine or whatever. Like, so you don't really. So that's interesting. It's like yeah. you don't remember it. Not really. I mean, I I remember like. It's probably because it's traumatic, and you blocked yeah. it out. Yeah, you blocked it out. Probably. And that's why, you know, a lot of people go to treatment at first because then you don't have that option in treatment. And if, you've been to treatment? Yeah, I have. And um, and I'm not going this time. I'm, I'm doing the um, – because I have I learned what I learned, what I need to learn from treatment. Sure. But um, it is something I would consider if I couldn't stop drinking. You know, living with sober women and having everyone around me basically being sober, it makes it a lot easier for me to – to you know take that off the table as an option i really don't know i just kind of it's like one minute i was at work and the next minute i the next thing i like i knew i mean not like exactly but i woke up the next day and i was hungover and i was telling everyone that i had to call my sponsor i had to call my mom i told everyone you know so when you drink when you do drink or when you did drink yeah it's like describe it i just get like a bottle of wine and i want to drink that and i'm like i'm gonna drink that like a normal person you know, I'm going to have two glasses of wine. And then next thing I know, within 15 minutes, I'm done with that bottle of wine and I'm buying another. Yeah. So it's just zero. Until to I pass eight. out. Right. So it's until I, until I fall asleep. So yeah. if you had one glass of wine. Yeah. Like, like, in a controlled room. Right. That, would, that sounds awful. That sounds worse than having none. Being in AA, you would have to like start yeah. Oh, yeah. over again, yeah. even though it's one glass of wine. Yeah. I mean, everyone's program is really up to them, but Yeah. For, for me, it is. And also, I would never have one glass of wine, which is why I'm in the program. Right. So, right. <laughs> and if you do, can have one glass of wine, maybe this is your know, other issue. Yeah. <laughs> right. So one of the things that they were talking about last night was the gift of desperation. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. It was, they were saying basically, like, you are so desperate that you have to join AA. Right. And ultimately, that's the gift. Yeah. Like, that's how to get, like, their life back on track. Right. Did you feel Yeah. Like oh, my God. That? I felt desperate so many times. Since I have the knowledge that I have of Alcoholics Anonymous, I had that year of sobriety, I know that there's a better life than drinking for me. And I know that, like, my life is either going to be one way, and that can, that looks like, 
you know, potentially a great career, a family, um, love, you know, friends, all this stuff, or it looks um, isolated and alone and I'm drinking and that's all I care about. We were actually kind of just talking about this. You were saying, oh, when you first get out of like rehab, like you're super horny. Yeah. (laughs) So like you have to kind of, I mean, you have an addictive personality, right? So like you're replacing that urge to drink with sex or you're shopping or shopping or gambling. So do you think that addicts, when you take away one thing from them, they will no matter what, like, yeah, be addicted to something else eventually? Not, Not no matter what. If you work the program and the steps... It helps you not be addicted. Well, the the thing that, that we say is that we have a God-sized hole in our in our soul that we try to fill with things, and it's like fitting a square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that that is going to make us feel complete is having a relationship with a higher power. Wow. And helping another person. Yeah. And that's it's really about... Those are the two things. Having higher power, helping another human being. Wow. So that brings us into sponsorship. Yes. Um, so can are, can you be, like, what are the requirements? Usually you wait a year okay. to, of sobriety to be a sponsor. So could you be one now since you have had a year under your belt? No. Okay. I mean, I could, I guess technically, but no. But you mean like a current You're supposed year. to have a working knowledge of the 12 steps. So okay. you're supposed to have worked all 12 steps. Okay. And. Um, so I couldn't be a sponsor. No. Because I'm not, oh, wow. I mean, you can't, I, there's no rules. It's not like, but. But I wouldn't, I couldn't really relate. No, to, and also there, you'd have nothing to, to give because you haven't learned any, even gone through the book. You, it's help, it's taking another, another person through the book that's never been through the book or needs to go through the book again. Right. Um, like when I be with my sponsor, we read. I read a page, she reads a page, I read a page, she reads a page. Do you ever, I mean, this is going to sound horrible, but do you ever get bored? <sighs> I, every time I read it, I learn something different. Really? Yeah. Which Even is, in your meetings, or do you get bored? Yeah. You go to a lot of them. I know. I I need it so bad. I think that's probably the gift of desperation that I need it so bad that I I don't I don't I don't right now. I don't really get bored that's right amazing. now. Amazing. I know, but it's because I need it to to. Right. I want to live. You know. Right. People that have five, ten years, I'm sure they get bored. Mm-hmm. But then then they go out and they help another person, and that gives them hope that they you know that it's working one of the things that i recognized that i i felt almost like so weak in comparison to a lot of the people that were there that's crazy yesterday because i don't feel like i could have that discipline i mean and also it's because i don't really need to have yeah. that discipline right yeah. but but maybe that's why i'm not an alcoholic is because i don't know if i could be like it's just it's so I just don't know if I could, I don't know. If you're desperate enough, then you'll you do, do anything. Yeah. And that's what they say, you know, it says, like, really, have we seen a person fail who has never, who has, who has thoroughly followed our path? You got to think about it this way. You know, you've never been sitting in a corner of a room wanting to die and like nothing will help you feel, not feel that way, you right. know, or been homeless or prostituting yourself or any, you know, most of these people, that's, this, these are things that they've gone through. Yeah. Like, I have used alcohol and drugs to the point where I wanted, I honestly wanted, like, could not, I can't explain to you how bad it felt. Like, crawling out of my skin, like, you know, wanting to die. So, like, wanting to live, you are desperate to do anything. That's a good way to, I've never thought about it like that. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain. That's why it's so hard for people to understand it that um, aren't afflicted with it. Yeah. But it's, which is why we have each other. 
going back really quickly to judgment, you know, it's it's hard to be judgmental when you hear other people's stories because mm-hmm. you're going through the same thing, right? So, okay, so let's just say, like, you're sitting in the room, like, I was sitting there, and, mm-hmm. like, some stories are more captivating than others, for <laughs> sure. Captivating. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> and, and you're like, oh, God, like, oh, like, the content of this story, like, is not... It's easy, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm judgmental, but, like... No, You know, it's judgmental. easy to, like, judge, like, oh, well... Your alcoholism, not saying that I did this, yeah. but your alcoholism isn't as severe, powerful or as their, this person's. Gotcha. So, do you know what I'm saying? So, but it's hard. You can't make that judgment when you're an alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't make that judgment no matter what. But you, when you're an alcoholic, because we're all going through the same thing. Yeah. You're all, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when people tell their stories, like, it's good to explain how they felt in that moment. Because regardless of if you were just in your mansion detoxing or if you were on the streets of you know skid row yeah we you had the same feelings right you know and yeah then, exactly fundamentally yeah it's all the same it's all the same it's it's the feeling of i can't stop and i need help and i i want to survive and i can't survive on my own yeah once you realize that your judgment lessens and my mom asked me she's like you wouldn't have never done like hard drugs right like heroin or meth and i'm like Honestly, mom, I don't know. It was never put in front of me. Right. And if it was, and it helped, it, it gave me an opportunity to not feel the way I was feeling, maybe I would have. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not part of my story. But it could be if I continue drinking, you sure. know? The what ifs or yets mm-hmm. are things, are, it's a, that's another thing that people say in Alcoholics Anonymous. I haven't done heroin or prostituted or anything yet. Yeah. You know? But people... Because there's a risk. That- yeah. Yeah. It made me think, but oh, what are some things that I'm addicted to? Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah. Like, and even if I'm not completely, I think we all are have addictive traits. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Whether it's like in relationships or, you know, like why, like I thought I could, I was. Working out. I was thinking about things that I had gone through. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, why did I not see what was so clear to everybody else? Mm-hmm. Do you know? And yeah. why did I, why couldn't I stop going back? Right. Yeah, it was just really eye-opening. And I think yeah. everyone should, like, go to an AA meeting. Yeah, I think, I think so, so, too. Important. I think they should have, a, be, like, a high school or college, like, requirement. Oh, my God. Can you just talk about emotional sobriety really quickly? Oh, yeah, that's something I don't have <laughs> yet, so. What is it? Um, To me, I don't really know. I'm learning about it still. Because um, I'd never heard of it before. Yeah, it, well, um, physical sobriety is... Not, not having having days away from the drink. Emotional sobriety is something that they tell me happens in the second year. And maybe that's why this second year has been so hard for me. Yeah. Because emotional sobriety is a lot more difficult than just taking away the drink. It's not ta- replacing um, the drink with emotion with something else. With mm. emotions, with a relationship, with being hard on yourself, with anything. To me, it's having balance and having emotional stability. Yeah. Which is hard for, like, anyone but it's especially hard when you used alcohol or drugs to mask your emotions your whole life and you don't know how to deal with them. Yeah. And that's like a big thing about AA in the first year. Like it's sitting through hard emotions knowing that they're going to pass. You know, even if it feels like it's never going to. Even if it feels like it's the end of the world. Yeah. Knowing that it's going to pass. In Eat, Pray, Love, which is like one of my favorite <laughs> things of all time, she says that no matter, like everything passes. Yeah. Like the good, yeah. the bad, the pain the love like right. everything your life yeah you know everything the only constant is change nothing lasts forever right yeah so it's, it's sitting through that but also like allowing yourself to feel your emotions and being gentle with yourself mm. like and not not being hard on yourself 
And that is, I am struggling with that currently. And I'm like, why am I like this? Then, then it's like, why am I like this? Like, I don't want to be like this. I want to be a strong woman, you know? And, yeah. and then you're just criticizing yourself. And then, and that it's hard. Yeah. You know, it just occurred to me that when I went to the therapist once and he was like, oh, yeah, when you have like feelings of like anxiety or whatever, like you should just sit, try and sit with the yeah. feeling. I know. And it I'm sounds like, awful, sit right? With the feeling. I know. That's what they told us too. It sounds awful. And it is awful. But I guess it's important to because the only way to, to move grow. past it is to, yeah. is to go through it and growth. Like it's the only way for emotional growth is is to know, and then you can look back and right. say, "I got through that feeling." Right. So if someone in your life passes, I I got through that. I can get through this. Right. That's the only way by experience because we don't learn by look, watching other people. Yeah. We learn. I mean, I personally like need to go through it. Yeah, I need to test the waters on everything before I learn it. Two more things really quick. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. Why is there so much shame? What you have gone through, like, no matter how bad, and yours, I think, was relatively low on, like, the bads. I mean, sorry, I shouldn't say that. But No, I know what you mean. You weren't, like, a crack addict. Yeah, yeah. Like, living in a truck. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, so, yeah. and even if you were, like, there, that's just part of your story, right? So why is there shame? Is it a fear of being judged? I think the shame for me is being, like, Look at these people, how come they can go through life and handle things without having to abuse alcohol or drugs, and I couldn't. Hmm. And that's what it is for me. Do you like, feel resentment toward people? Yeah, absolutely, sometimes, for sure. And I'm, like, totally jealous. I'm like, well, I want to I be able to have a drink. I, I want to be able to not have to deal with these feelings. That's so funny because I remember one day when we were, we were out with your friend, one of your friends on that boat, yeah. And I brought, like, a bottle of champagne, and you were, like, had just, like, freshly in AA. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, she, she'll, she's fine. Like, she doesn't. And that was so, like, rude of me to do. It's not, though, because, well, here's the thing. Like, alcohol is so everywhere. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> alcohol is everywhere. Yeah. Like, it's everywhere. I think it's just an education for people to who haven't like me. Like I didn't go through it, and I was so naive to think like she's she's fine. Like if she she's she's just not going to drink it. Like it's you know what I mean. Like yeah. I didn't think that. Oh, like that's super. But like I need hum- it. I need exposure because it's around everywhere. Yeah. I can't go to dinner and not see people drink. Like I need. Okay. To well, be- then you're welcome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> thank you. Just kidding. <laughs> I did you a favor. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about is self awareness. You said that. So you, we went through the election process last night, oh, which yeah. was when everyone gets a new job for a year, right? Yeah. So they'll be like a moderator or they'll bring the snacks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to be the garbage girl. I did. And you said, I thought it was really interesting because you said that you wanted to humble yourself. Yeah. Well, and I thought that was really like you were very acutely self-aware of what you needed. Yeah. And I think that that's really rare for anybody, but that really like resonated with me that's because i knew that because i've been told it many times in meetings (laughs) that you need to be more that you need to humble yourself yeah not just me but when you are new you need to take commitments that are humbling and like things you don't want to do oh contrary action is a big part of of alcoholics anonymous too contrary actions yes so when you don't want to do something do it oh god that sounds terrible yeah when you don't want to go to a meeting that's when you have to go. Wow. The more than when you want to go. Ever. Yeah. How do you make yourself do it? You just do it. And then the more you do it, the less you think about doing it. It becomes right. more of a habit. Routine. Yeah. Like brushing your teeth. It's like brushing your teeth, going to the gym. Same thing. Garbage commitments are something that no one wants to do. Garbage commitments. <laughs> 
Right. Like, no one wants, everyone wants to do, like, the glamorous ones, like, giving the chips out or being the secretary or whatever, you know. But I know that if I want to keep my sobriety, which is a gift, mm-hmm. then I have to do things like pick up the garbage at the end of the meeting. I just think that, to me, that just gives, as your friend, it just gives me so much, like, optimism to where you're headed. Because if you can... Thank you. Be... I hope so. If you can, <laughs> you know, be humbled in that space and really want to do the work. Because yeah. it seems like you really do like want to do the work. Yeah, I do. I do. And I think the first year I didn't really want to. I didn't really know what I wanted. I just kind of did what I had to do because I got arrested for my DUI and I knew the last place I wanted to go to was jail. Right, right. <laughs> um, so I just did whatever they told me to do, but I didn't really think about what I was doing too much. And this year has been a little harder because I've had more like, I need to do the actual work. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. No, I just think it's so good. And I think it, I think a lot of people can... It'll open people's eyes to more about what it's like to struggle with alcohol. Yeah, and I, I hope that if someone's unsure if they are, then they could reach out. Honestly, they can reach out to me if they want. I don't, I don't care who you are, what you're, like where you come from, if you know me, if you don't know me. That, and that's why I post about it on Instagram and Facebook because it is an anonymous program, and if you want to yeah. be anonymous, you can be. But I post about it because I do want people to, if they are struggling and are, you know, there's there is a lot of shame around it, uh, they, they can reach out. They yeah. know who to reach out to. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsor, Kettle One, for sponsoring. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph.